Good morning. Happy Father's Day to everyone. You natural dads, you foster dads, you adoptive dads, you spiritual dads. Uh, may we all feel God's blessing upon our lives uh, today. And uh, we uh, love being together here at the Garden. Um, our uh, financial year here at the Garden runs July through June. So we're coming up into the last weeks of our financial year. And um, every year, we see God do a miracle in these last couple of weeks. We go from not having quite enough, from having greater expense than we had income, to God taking us to where we have more than enough, where we cross that line and we actually end the year strong, and it launches us into the new year with a lot of confidence and faith in him. And so, move us from not having quite enough to having more than enough, Amen. And here's the promise of scripture. It says, Paul writes to those uh, in Philippi who had given a generous offering to help others. He said, because you have given, now my God will supply all your needs. You measure in glory in Christ Jesus. That immeasurable uh, power of Jesus to have returned us to God and uh, release blessing into our life, that comes in response to us walking in faith and generosity. Amen? Uh, and so as we come into these final weeks, may God uh, put on your heart exactly how you're supposed to participate. If uh, he uh, calls you, uh, as he's calling me, to go above my normal tithe and offering, then let's do that with joy, and we'll see what God will do uh, as we close out this year. There's five ways to give here at the Garden. Uh, you can give online. You can give through the church phone app. You can text to give. You can put your offering in the offering box uh, as you exit the church, and you can mail it to the Garden. Also, uh, we are together uh, going uh, in our campus expansion. Let's go together. And um, uh, in particular, church family, the elders have a critical decision to make this week. And I'm asking for your prayer as we seek God's wisdom for it. It could be a great opportunity, or it could not be. Uh, I was literally up this morning at 2 a.m. in the morning, prayed from 2 to 3, saying, Lord, we just need your wisdom on this. It's so unusual. You know, it's, it's sort of an out-of-the-box uh, potential. But, uh, and then, actually, I reviewed a prophetic word from about 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. where God said some unusual things were about to happen. So this is a really important week, and um, uh, we just value our prayers. You know, because uh, when there's a miracle needed, that means that God has designed something to get all his glory, and it also means you don't have the vaguest idea how to do it, right? So all you do is just make your faith available to God and seek him for his provision and for his wisdom. If you've not yet had a chance to become a stakeholder in Together We Grow, if this is your church family, come join us in this process. Uh, you can hit the QR code and you can start to make a monthly pledge or a one-time gift there. And uh, let's see God expand our campus, not only for our use, but for the next generation. Amen? Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your generosity in our life. Father, so humbled by your provision, so grateful, Lord, for your kindness in our life. And Lord, uh, we want to be more like you. Father, we want that heart within us that uh, lives for much more than just ourselves. Lord, that lives to be a blessing to others. 
that lives with a vision for generation beyond our own. So, Father, in all that's given today, Father, um, may it all go to glorify the name of Jesus. And for each one here, Father, may you exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we could ask or think, Father, supply everything that we need in life to serve you, to know you, to provide for those in our family, Lord, and to see your kingdom advance. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I want to teach uh, this week and next week on God at home. How we take our faith in Christ and we actually live it out in, which I, in what I would argue is, a, is the most important arena of life, is how we live reflecting Christ at home. And I want to talk this week about fathers and mothers. Um, I, you know, I could uh, open this with a series of dad jokes, you know, like, um, why do me melons have to have a formal wedding ceremony? Because they can't elope. But I, I thought, you know, it might really be, be unwise. You think that was bad? You should see what I left and decided not to say. Like, you know, um, what did the drummer name his two twin daughters? And a one and a two. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's, that's better than what's even worse, which I definitely won't say is, you know, like I was thinking, I've been thinking a lot about going on a diet, but then just realized I have too much on my plate. So I decided not to do dad jokes this morning. I'm going to leave it to guys like Pastor Rob, who seem to have a unique anointing with that, and I'm just going to try to guide us through the Bible. So this is an absolute reality, and it's true according to Scripture. Dads and moms must leave their homes. Paul writes uh, to those who are uh, aspiring to church leadership, which is something you all should do. He says, he, the one aspiring to church leadership, must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? God says that the primary reflection of our spirituality and our spiritual leadership is how things go in where we lead at home. Then that transfers into how we lead in a wider assignment of God's people. There's a lot of people who have a goal of being significant in the life of a church who do so at the cost of leading their families well. Paul says you got that backwards. He writes to uh, those who are young widows, which we know then applies to really all moms. So I would urge younger widows, uh, marry, bear children, and manage their households and give the adversary no occasion for slander. Slander. Dads and moms need to lead, lead our homes, amen? And uh, our uh, staff just went through a four-hour-long training on uh, recognizing abuse uh, and neglect, you know, as uh, part of our responsibility. And it just so deeply underlined to me the reality. The majority of issues facing our society have roots back into homes that are not led and managed in a godly way. Would you agree with that? There are lots of different things that are occurring, lots of different um, impacts on children and young people. But at 
the root of that, often intertwined around the core of that, is a lack of leadership in the home in a godly way. And so church family, we need to step up to another level, no matter what level we're at. And moms and dads, we need to be better leaders in our homes. Amen? Because when we're better leaders in our homes, then we can help our community also have homes in which there's better leadership. I believe this, this is an essential from the Lord. And before I get into Paul's instructions in uh, Colossians on uh, God at home, I want to just also just be careful in getting into this theme, particularly about dads. There is no father that I know that thinks that they do it all right. They're the universal model for the perfect father. Almost every dad I know has actually a bit of dad guilt. I wish I could do it better. I wish I had done more. I wish I had known what to do at that point. Dads, in Jesus' name, I want to urge you this morning to receive the grace of God over that shame because shame will keep you from becoming a better parent. It doesn't empower you to be the parent that you want to be. So let go of that. But I think it's something almost we all feel. The other thing that's an absolute reality is that all of us have things about our earthly father that we can appreciate, but almost all of us, I would, I would say all of us, also have areas in which our earthly father could not be for us actually what we needed to be. And there's a dad wound in almost everybody's life. I want to just declare to us, church family, you are not damaged goods permanently because of some inability in your earthly father, because you have a good, good father in heaven. And through the grace of Jesus, he can pour into your life every bit of nurture and, and uh, instruction and direction and confidence that you need for life. So let's come into his grace, and in doing so, then let's also become increasingly better parents. So this section on God at home begins actually uh, in verse 12 and 13 of Colossians chapter 3. Paul writes there, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Going on, and over all these things put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity, that the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful, have gratitude. And whatever you do, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through them. And having given these general instructions, and he makes it specific, going on, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Then our theme this morning, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. So we, Paul starts with giving uh, instructions about how we relate to each other, how we treat each other, that he applies to everyone, no matter your role in a family, these instructions 
apply to every single member. Each one is to be compassionate. Each one is to be kind. Show humility. Have gentleness. Be patient. Bear with each other. Forgive. Show love. Create unity. Be ruled by peace and have gratitude. Amen. Aren't those good qualities? Isn't that how you would love to be treated by others? And here's the thing. There has been some, I think, unbalanced teaching in the Christian church that once you assume one of the roles in a family, these general rules no longer apply to you. So yeah, you're called as a father to provide leadership for your home. Amen? And so whatever it takes, yell, scream, lose your temper, whip children, you know, until they need hospitalization, that's all fine because you got a job to do. And not realize everything that Paul said about everyone applies to all of us at all times. And if I'm going to lead my home, whether as a mom or a dad, I need to do so with gentleness, with kindness, with patience, forgiving, bearing with others. So uh, particularly, too, we'll talk next week about the relationship between wives and husbands. Paul again begins that longer section in Ephesians by saying this is how we all should act towards each other. So before we get into the specifics of fathers, mothers, and children, Paul lays the foundation. What I say to moms and dads is an application of what I say to everyone. You guys getting this? So specifically about parents and children, Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Father, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. In a companion parallel passage in the book of Ephesians, where Paul goes over some of the same material, but in a more extended way, he writes this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is a first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Particularly starting with children, the theme here, Colossians 3, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first command with a promise, so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life. You know, as a mom and a dad, next to following Jesus, for almost all of us, there is nothing more important to us that it, than that it goes well with our children and that they enjoy a long life. You know what I'm saying? How many of you as parents would say that that's the pressing priority of my life besides following Jesus? And in fact, that's one of the primary ways I follow Jesus is I try to be a parent that lays the foundation so that this heartfelt desire of mine can occur, that it might go well with my kids. How many of you want it to go well for your kids? Right? All of us, right? And how many of you want our kids to enjoy a long life? All of us do. 
This is such a heartfelt desire. And Scripture tells us that these two promises, things going well and enjoying long life, are based on children learning to honor and obey their parents. Doesn't depend as much on sending them to the right preschool. Doesn't depend as much on buying them the, late tech, the latest technology. Doesn't depend as much on what we can supply in the material realm. It doesn't depend as much on having them involved in every music or sports activity available. Are you hearing me, church? What the Lord is saying to us is that if you, you want your kids to be successful for things to go well with them, and if you want them to enjoy a long life, the essential thing that you have to create in your home culture is a culture of honor and respect and obedience. Teaching children to respect their parents in word and deed is much more less about the parents not feeling disrespected. I'm, a, I'm your dad, you should respect me. It's not the heart of Scripture. But the reason that is so uh, mandatory for us to teach honor and obedience to our children is for their sake. It is the platform to promotion and blessing in their life. Do you believe this or not? See, if you, if you say what is the most difficult employee you could have. I would tell you, someone who doesn't respect authority and who is uncoachable. They're the, the, the one who walks in that is already uh, in their novice condition, the greatest expert on everything that ever existed in your field of work, and they won't take anybody's input or advice on how they might improve. Any of you had to be on a team with people like that? Hopefully none of you are that. If we want our kids to, to, to be successful, we need to teach them that there is always going to be somebody in their life with authority over their life that they need to learn how to respond to. And they need to have within them the capacity not to feel humiliated and dehumanized by having to do what someone else tells them to do that they don't feel like doing. Well, doesn't that sound terrible, Pastor David, that someone would actually tell me to do something that I don't feel like doing? Or is that the way things work? See, if we want to set our kids up for success, we need to establish a culture of respect and obedience in our homes. This is part of God's essential teaching. But how we do so is equally critical because we can take that very message and we can exercise it in our flesh and actually create trauma and abuse under the guise of doing it God's way. You hearing me? See, the question with honor is, is honor to be demanded or honor to be earned? One of my favorite um, series 
I think on Memorial Day, I watched the entire thing again, probably for the 17th time, is a series called Band of Brothers. And one of the heroes of this series is a, a major, his name is Dick Winter, and uh, he's been dealing for a lot of the uh, series with this uh, very bad uh, subordinate, uh, Lieutenant Sobel. And um, they've had a lot of conflict. And one scene is when this lieutenant walks past him and does not salute him. And he turns to him and he says, here in the army, we salute the rank, not the man. That no matter how you feel personally towards someone, the only way that military operations are successful is when you respect the rank, not the man. There is a chain of command. And how many think there is some degree of truth in that? But at the same time, when we think about this particularly in our homes, what is the balance between demanding respect and earning respect? Which one really lasts? for the lifetime of our child. If this issue of honor is not about me feeling respected as a dad, but me setting up a platform for my kids to be successful in their lives, this is the thing I know, is if the respect in our home is based solely on my position, if people comply to me because we don't want to get dad mad, how will that last in their life as a character value once I'm no longer threatening them? To get rid of me. Now they could just do their own thing. Now they're not feeling intimidated. See, when we earn respect, but on the other hand, it is because we are ourselves respectable is that to teach honor in our homes, the primary thing that is needed is for us to demonstrate honor as the leaders of our home. The number one way to instruct kids to be honorable is for dad and mom to be people of honor, right? Because our children are imprinted so much more by what they see us do than what we say to them. Is that shocking news to any of you? No, because that's exactly how it was when you were a child. You saw everything, right? And you were told a lot of stuff. And so we can live sort of like in this imaginary world as parents that all these lectures we're giving our kids in the car when their headphones are on, that it's really shaping their character and their life, but really what they're doing is they're pretending like they're listening to us, but they're really just watching us. It's about to get real here, okay? You ready? Too many parents demand honor and respect, but do not model being honorable people. Parents show disrespect in front of their kids towards those that have authority over them as parents their boss, the government, law enforcement. It's gotten real quiet here. <laughs> but you come home as a parent and you berate your boss, how do you think your kids are going to respond to all the bosses in their life? You come, you sit in your chair, 
and you berate the government, how do you think kids are going to respond to government authority in their life? You come home or you know, you're driving and you have a kind word to say about law enforcement, you know, when the light comes on behind you, how do you think your kids are going to relate to law enforcement in their life? Is this too real? Should I go back to dad jokes at this point? See, here's what I know. Church, we've got to up our game as the people of God. We've got to come into greater alignment with the Word of God. We do need homes in which honor and obedience are part of the culture, but the primary way to get that there is not through position in the home. It's through demonstration in our lives. And so may God call us up and put accountability on what we say, how we respond to things, because you know our kids are watching us. And they can watch us for the good, and they can watch us to see a model that we're teaching them the opposite of how to be. Some parents actually discipline by verbally dishonoring their children. They put their children down. And then seem sort of surprised when they receive that same disrespect in return. But you know, the principle of the Bible is that whatever you give away, even more is going to come back your direction. So let's be able to create a culture of respect and a culture of obedience without breaking the rules of kindness and generosity and patience and forbearance in our lives. You guys hearing me? And I believe God is going to continue to create amazing families here at the garden. Another quick tip before I move on to even more unpleasant ideas is um, don't live vicariously through your children. Parents who try to draw their identity from their kids' affection or approval, and not from Christ, will not be able to say the no's needed to teach honor and obedience. If you're afraid that if you say no to your child, that they're going to be mad at you, reject you, unfollow you on Facebook, you know, and that prevents you then from doing what is best for them in the know, you actually are not serving them. You're actually making them serve you by trying to give you the identity that only Christ can give you on the inside. So we need to so much as parents say, Heavenly Father, help my identity be rooted in the finished work of Christ, to know the love of the Father, to know the power of the Spirit in my life so that I can have the, the wonderful blessing to say yes at times and be the most popular dad or mom on the planet for those five seconds. May you have some of those moments, but also to be able to say the no's that shape our kids in a balanced way as those whose lives can be blessed and who can know success in this life. Let's set our kids up for success, amen? And sometimes that involves saying the unpopular no. You know, fathers, we have a unique influence in the lives of our kids. Paul addresses this in both Ephesians and in Colossians. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up 
in the training and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter or provoke your children, or they will become discouraged. Key word here that I like is bring them up, not put them down. A lot of, a lot of people are raised in a culture in which the primary form of fatherly discipline was a put down. Was something that threatened you being less. Something that implied you were a failure as though that would motivate you to somehow become what you were designed to be. I tell you, your heavenly Father is not like that. And so let us not be like that uh, as earthly dads, the, the dad or the put-down, as though putting people in their place would somehow elevate us to our place. But let us know in Christ that we have the authority of Christ in our life to bring up to raise up, to lift up our children. Paul uses two words here. He says tra training, which is the Greek word paideia. We get the word pedagogy or uh, a form of teaching. There is like a teaching, a coaching, like in a gymnasium that occurs there around this word. We want to be involved in coaching up or lifting up or teaching up our kids as fathers. Secondly is uh, the word that is instruction. And that Greek word there. Uh, actually is specifically about something that is spoken. It's spoken direction, spoken affirmation, spoken correction. And I know as dads, sometimes uh, it's easier to have mom go talk to them. Hey guys, that's a coward's way out. Even if you stumble, if you, if you find it super awkward, our kids need our voice. And so on things that are affectionate, things that are corrective, they actually need to hear from us the instruction on life. Let's step up to that. But fathers, we have an incredible opportunity to extend the blessing of God into our kids' life. See, all of us were created to be blessed. We need it. See, in Genesis chapter 1, it says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God did what then? Bless them. And then God said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, rule over the earth. There is a sequence here of creation. God created them. Then God blessed them, blessing, and then said to them, assignment. Created, blessed, assignment. Every assignment we receive from God needs to be preceded by us receiving the blessing of God in our life. And if we want to set our kids up for success, we have to not only tell them where to go in life, but we need to bless them so that they are empowered to take that journey. Jesus was the perfect human being, amen? Yet when he was baptized, heaven opened up, and it says here uh, in the Gospel of Luke, and the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Jesus was not having like a low self-esteem day, right? 
just needed a few flattering words from heaven. No, he's reflecting the divine design of how humans are made, is that we need to hear, I love you, and we need to hear, I'm proud of you. And the voice from heaven speaks over Jesus. You are the son who I love. I love you. And in you, I'm well pleased. I'm proud of you. We never outgrow the need for blessing for assignment. And as dads, we have a unique ability, a unique capacity, a special calling to impart that to our kids. May you bless your kids. May you tell them verbally and with your actions, I love you. May you communicate to them constantly, I'm proud of you. I had an experience, it's been about eight years ago. I think my dad was like 85, and I was a young man back then. I was in my mid-50s. Oh, to recapture the joys of youth in my life. But um, at that point, he had been diagnosed with terminal pancreatic cancer. And um, was, uh, when this conversation happened, I looked at him, and he looked like he had about two weeks to live. Now, God miraculously, against all medical odds, supernaturally healed him, and he lived another eight years after that. But here I am, a 55-year-old man, and I'm sitting in the car with my dad, and I had this strong, strong, heartfelt urge to ask him a question. And I said, Dad, do you think I did okay with what you entrusted with me at the church? And he said, yeah, I'm proud of what you've done. I'm a 55-year-old, ready for early senior adult lunch at Carol's at three individual. <laughs> but it meant so much to my spirit, and it continues to empower me to this day. If I needed it at 55, how much more those that are five need to hear the blessing I love you, daughter. I'm proud of you, daughter. How much more at 15, when they're harder, they're not quite as cute anymore, but at 15, do they more desperately need to hear from you? I love you. I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm proud of you. And if you're a parent and you've not ever heard that in your life, I want you to open up to your heavenly father and hear the voice of heaven saying to you, daughter of God, son of God, I love you and I'm proud of you. Because we cannot give away what we refuse to receive. There is tremendous power. We see this in the blessing of Jesus. And Jesus says what he was blessed with now belongs to us. In Galatians 4, verse uh, 6 and 7, Paul writes, Because you are sons. God sent the spirit of his son, Jesus, into our hearts. That spirit who calls out, Abba, Papa, Dad, Father. So you are no longer a slave but a child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. The Holy Spirit within our heart, the very spirit that came upon Jesus when the voice of heaven said, I love you and I'm proud of you, it cries out within our hearts, Dad, I belong to you. 
and part of your family. I love the way that the Passion Translation renders Romans 8, um, 16. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. As he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Let's be those that know how to bless our kids. Know that we have a unique role and authority to do so no matter how old they may be, and that blessing will still matter in their life. There's a warning also in these verses about what happens when the blessing is not received. It says, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Exasperation, that's that frustration from trying to inquire approval. How many of you have ever felt, have ever worked for a boss, and you had this sense, I can just never make him happy. I could just never make her happy. You had that feeling before? That's exasperation. And we can have a culture in our home in which in our efforts to hold a high standard or keep the bar high, we can actually create in our children, I can never please my dad. I can never please my mom. Let's not give in to that. Let's instead know how to bless our kids. Worship team, go ahead and come up. The Bible also warns about embittering our children. That means anger towards authority. And if we exercise authority in our home in a way that does not reflect the goodness and kindness of God our Father, it actually leads to our children not being able to respect authority in general. And their lives are set up for a world of hurt. Discourage, not when we discourage our kids we actually take away their capacity to be brave and fearless in life. These are the negative things, and I think that a lot of um, us have actually experienced this in our own lives, but as real as that is, I believe the power of blessing is even more powerful in our lives, and that's what I want to focus on today. We were designed for a father's blessing. So literally, everything we value and respect in our earthly fathers. How many of you can think about your early, earthly fathers? You need to come up with a list of things. Hey, I've, I value that in him or I respected that in him. Almost all of us, right? At the same time, for all of us, as I opened the sermon with, all of us grew up under earthly fathers and therefore there were some things that we needed them to be that they did not have the capacity or chose not to be for us. That's just a reality, right? And so while there is an appreciation on one hand for our fathers, there's also a longing for what our fathers could not be. All of that is designed to show you, you were designed for a father's blessing. And here is the good news. Is your heavenly father, is everything good in your earthly father multipli multiplied a million infinite number of times more? And everything you long for in your father is who your heavenly father is to a complete and entirely healing way. Amen. So receive the blessing of your father and, and understand the hunger in your heart is actually a hunger for God. What our earthly fathers could not give our Heavenly Father gives in abundance. So as we, just before we worship, here's my 
take away to dads. And I try to learn this myself. To become a better father, learn more how to be blessed as a son. Again, because I can't give away what I refuse to receive. And to sit not in my performance, to sit not in my self-evaluation or sit in my judgment, but to sit in the grace of God and say, Abba, I belong to you. You love me. You're proud of me. It doesn't make sense to me, but I know this is what your word declares, and this is what the Spirit says in my heart. The more I receive that in my life, the more I can give it away to my kids. We're about to sing a song here. It says, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. How many of you believe that about God? Amen. And I want you to believe with equal conviction the second part of that verse. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. How many of you believe that also? Amen. Let's believe both. He's a good father. We're loved by him. And then we can multiply the grace of God given through our life. There is tremendous blessing and power in a father's capacity to bless our children. Sometimes we bless them by love that is full of affection that they recognize. Sometimes we bless them with tough love that feels like no, but ultimately is a yes in their life. No matter how we do it, we can bless them and we bless them with what we've received from God. May you be a blessing to your children, moms and dads. May you grow more and more to be like the parent that God is to us. And may we all see here at the garden and throughout our communities, families growing healthier and healthier in the name of Christ.